Hi, my name's Stuart. I'm one of the church leaders here um, at EBI. And today we're just going to do a, a standalone topic um, as it's not part of any of our series. It's just in between um, a couple series that we've been running on our Sunday services. And we're going to look at a passage in Ephesians, which will probably challenge our hearts, our motives, our mindsets about being church that is united and diverse. And I'm speaking a week after um, half the country watched the England play in the final of the Euros. It was, it was hard, wasn't it? It was really hard watching it and losing that, that final hurdle. Um, if you're a bit of a football fan, then you may have kind of been quite gutted by what happened on that evening. But for all of us, what I woke up to the next morning was something that gutted me on a really different level. Um, when we saw the horrific online racial abuse against football players who missed penalties. I mean, we are far from being a post-racist society that sometimes we were led to believe. This is brutally unjust, and this is against God's heart right throughout the Bible, right throughout history. And we can read in the, in the Old Testament from many of the prophets that there's something about the church that needs to step into this and get this right. Because this is part of our worship. In Amos 5, God is saying to his people, Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Worship without justice is just noise. And that's quite a full-on uh, jump into a talk. I realise that. But our culture, our society is deeply divided. And there is a lot of injustice, not just racial injustice, but there's a lot. And the church needs to be open to God's kingdom breaking through in our church internally and overflowing into our society. So most people... Um, believe that the letter to the church in the book of Ephesians um, was written by the Apostle Paul. And while he was in prison in uh, 32 AD, um, and it was sent to this early church. At a time, um, Ephesus was in part of ancient Greece, um, which is now part of modern Turkey. And, and Paul wrote several letters to early Christians and some of them were really about specific situations uh, where he met explaining and reminding them of things um, which he'd already said. Sometimes it was to tell them to stop fighting. Sometimes it was to correct some of their theology or some of their actions. But unlike all the other letters in the New Testament, Ephesians is not written just to address a specific um, issue. Um, Paul just loves the people there. And he wants to encourage them and explain a, a deeper wonder of God's grace, God's undeserved favour and love for us. And this letter in Ephesians makes it clear that Jesus gives us a relationship and offers that relationship with God. And when we accept that, he becomes Lord of our lives. He leads us in our relationships with other people. So let's read from Ephesians 2. Therefore, remember that formerly 
You who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body of, by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you, who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him too, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now keep in mind here the divide between the Jews, who in the Old Testament are seen as the people of God, and the Gentiles, who was basically everyone else. Keep in mind these divides They weren't small, they weren't shallow, or even simple. They were huge, complex, and deep. It was first a religious divide. The Jews claimed they knew the one true God. The Christian Jews knew Jesus, the Son, the Messiah. Then the divide was cultural and social, based on practices and ceremonies like circumcision and dietary regulations. Rules on cleanliness. These were all designed to set the Jews apart from the nations for, for this period of history. To show that there was something different about being the people of God. But the divide was also racial, as we can see in this passage. We see in verse 11, Paul is speaking to the Gentiles. This is who his audience is. Is up to now, they were viewed outside of God's covenant. They were viewed by the Jews and also some of the followers of Jesus who converted from Judaism. Judaism. They were having to work out their understanding what it meant when Jesus died and a new covenant was brought into place. It wasn't eradicating everything in the past, it was saying the new season has started. Now, the practice of circumcision was, um, was I'm not going to go into any f- physical description. You can look it up if you really want to. Um, it was a dividing point here. It was a dividing point in many earlier congregations. The Jewish followers of Jesus felt that the gentle followers who'd come to faith, that they should also be circumcised before they were accepted into God's family, into the church. 
But the apostles, the early church elders, met in Jerusalem. And you can read this in, in Acts um, chapter 15. They were led by the Holy Spirit and agreed circumcision should not be a requirement to be part of God's family, God's church. However, in all the ways that happens in church, some people kind of feel like I'm holding on to that. And they were stubborn. And it was still saying that, um, they were still saying that circumcision was this requirement. And Paul is kind of, kind of challenging that. He's frustrated at going over the same kind of stuff. He's reminding them of God's grace, God's unfavoured love for all. Now, let's be honest, it's kind of a bit reassuring in, in a kind of strange way that even the early church, who we kind of look to as um, what is our model, what, how should we, we should always keep going back to what the early church did. And all those debates of the whys, the hows, the whats, of faith and practice. Isn't it kind of reassuring that they struggled too? But isn't it also a challenge to us? A challenge how easy it is to get fixated on something and be set off track about what we're called to be as church. Now Paul goes on to talk um, further about the separation of the Jews and the Gentiles. How Jesus has removed that separation. All people are reconciled and united in him. He breaks, as it says in this passage, the dividing walls of hostility. We are one family, a new humanity, called to live in unity. And God will then reside with us. That is revolutionary. That is something that is revolutionary right throughout history. And sometimes there are seasons where we can be those revolutionaries. God's kingdom here on earth is a kingdom of unity. This means in our church. This means between churches. My question is, so why is it that we often spend most of our time looking at what divides us? That's a challenge that I bounce back to myself. When you come to know Jesus as the one who rescued you, the one who brings you back to a relationship with our Father God, when we accept that relationship, we know we're forgiven, we're welcomed back into God's family. Whatever's gone on in the past, you belong. You can belong. You're blessed, you're chosen, you're adopted, you're accepted, you're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're all this stuff, no matter what you've done or what you even think you might have done. Through Jesus, you get reconciled back into God's family. That is something to celebrate. That is something to live by. That is a place of unity. We have to work at it. It's tough, it's messy, but we have to work at it. God's kingdom is about unity. Nicky Gumbel, I've quoted I know a lot of times, um, he started the Alpha Course running now in, the global in every denomination in the global church, from Greek Orthodox to 
independent evangelical to Pentecostal churches to Catholic churches in over a hundred countries a few years ago he spoke at a leadership conference and he said this unity is not doctrinal but relational modelled by the Trinity and it's all about Jesus what unites us is infinitely greater than what divides us and unity is not given to us as an optional thing it was and remember this it was Jesus last prayer before he was crucified and it still is his prayer now as he's interceding for us and praying for our unity so that the world may believe and we live in a divided world which demands a united church and the good news is that we don't have to champion unity alone unity comes from the father who is the key to transformation of societies later on in ephesians paul reminds us again with even more strength about unity as the church and in chapter four he says this as a prisoner for the lord so he's in prison then i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to hope when you have been called one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all we have seen some incredible unity in our city here in bristol as the church has worked together for the transformation of our society for decades it's been in bed with prayer prayer and unity go hand in hand but even over the last year we've seen some amazing demonstrations of that unity whether it's been the incredible lead of the church food banks church-based food banks tackling food insecurity making sure that nobody goes hungry or it's the church's response to that emergency call out when around just over 70 foster carers had to suddenly go shielding in that first lockdown the church responded to the need for foster carers or maybe it's hundreds of volunteers serving their neighbors throughout the year but also through that noise weekend where it was very visible on our streets or the, those volunteers who responded to the call that Bristol Noise Charity put out of volunteering needs right across our city. There are many other examples over the last 18 months. And I believe we've entered into a new season. Something has been unlocked in the church about responding again to the needs of our city. And we need to celebrate that, but press into it more. Unity does not mean uniformity the body of christ is made up of different parts you can read that throughout and some of the other parts of the new testament and we need to embrace not only unity but the diversity in that remaining un united does not mean we lose any truth 
God's kingdom is about unity and God's kingdom is about diversity. And this passage in Ephesians unlocks the need to embrace and push into diversity. Now this could be even more uncomfortable because I know God is pretty good at doing that kind of thing where he disturbs the, um, the, he disturbs the comfortable but comforts the disturbed. And I realise that there can be much touched on here about diversity in this passage. But, but today I just want to, just as we come towards the end, I want to focus on racial and religious diversity. It brings us back always in this passage to Jesus. Jesus being the cornerstone of it all. Jesus' purpose in verse, eight, in verse 15 was to create himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. God's shalom in our world. And as, as followers of Jesus, we're called to respond to that. And that means addressing some of the issues of injustice. We, we're all aware, I would suggest, of those, that recent killing back in last year of George Floyd, of Breonna Taylor, and many others. And we need to examine and reflect on the issue of racism. It's, it's not just a tragic, isolated incident in America with horrific consequences. But it's about how does our society, our systems, our world change. Together, in unity, we need to lean into the biblical role as Christians about dismantling structural racism, about, the t- about dismantling the terrible in- unjust systems in our world. We have a call on us. We can't turn a blind eye. We, we can't read most of the Old Testament prophets. You can't read Isaiah 58 and say, we want to rebuild, we want to repair, we want to restore and then ignore parts of our society. That means we need to make space. We need to make space to listen to black ethnic minority voices. We need to actually let the Holy Spirit work in us. Let the Holy Spirit lead us into self-examination, into lament, into repentance. And then press repeat. I would encourage you all to do this individually. I'm not going to say how you do that. Educate yourselves, talk, have conversations, build relationships whatever that looks like to all of us. We all have an unconscious bias. And when we realise it, it is uncomfortable. Sometimes it just falls out of our mouth. Sometimes it's our, our actions. But there is an unconscious bias. And we need to welcome the Holy Spirit to work deep in changing us. I respect so highly those people that, that have been really journeying this. Noticing and acknowledging biases in us can be present to help us minimise the negative effect in the choices we make. God's kingdom that Jesus moves us into is about diversity.
unity and diversity are hand in hand. Paul says in verse 19 of Ephesians, in the message translation, he says, you're no longer wandering exiles. He's speaking to the Gentiles. The kingdom of faith is now your home country. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. If our heart is to see everyone come to know Jesus, then we need to model that as church and overflow that into our society. We need to be better at this. There's no two ways about it. We need to be better in our churches. Internal judging, I would suggest, is something that we're all wrestling with in this pandemic. At various levels, from the thought to some deep stuff. But we need to keep coming back to Jesus. This is not about beating ourselves up. This is coming back to Jesus. Letting the Holy Spirit lead us into looking at ourselves, lamenting, repenting, and moving forward. Chin McDonald, who wrote the uh, recently released book, I haven't read it. It's called God is Not a White Man. And she wrote a few months ago, Many black communities have kept the faith, even in the face of unimaginable horror and injustice, recognising in the biblical narrative a story of a God who sides with the oppressed rather than those who hold on to power that corrupts. The black theologian James Cone describes the gospel, a story about God's presence in Jesus' solidarity with the oppressed. What is redemptive, he says, is the faith that God snatched victory out of death, life out of death, and hope out of despair. While it will take more than one conviction to end injustice, we wait to see if this is the watershed moments, the turning points in history that we've longed for. But we can't rest, because echoing the Old Testament prophet Amos, Martin Luther King said, we are not satisfied and will not be satisfied until justice rolls like rivers and righteousness like a mighty stream. Martin Luther King said that a long time ago. We're still in that place. We still, as church, need to press into seeing the church be united, the church be diverse, and that overflow to change our societies. And as I finish, I want to encourage us to be pursuing that, to pursuing God's kingdom that looks like that. And the reason we do that is because the vision is Jesus. It's Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus dying for us. His blood shed for us, as we read in verse 13. Being reconciled to God. Rebuilding his church with Jesus at the foundation. Going back to our roots. That Jesus is the cornerstone. There's a lot of talk about rebuilding in our society after a global pandemic. There's a deep crisis of racial injustice in our society that has been uncovered at the same time. And this is our opportunity as church to listen, to lament, to repent, to change, and to demonstrate to the world that the vision 
is Jesus and his kingdom here on this earth. Let's take an opportunity to pause. I may have left a lot of unanswered questions. That's quite intentional. I don't want pet answers because this is individual and this is together. I may have opened a can for some of us and going, oh, that's uncomfortable. But our prayer now as we've finished is that the Holy Spirit would move us. The Holy Spirit would activate us to pursue Jesus. Not point fingers at other people sitting next to us, at other people, but saying, God, will you come and move in my life? Let's pray. We welcome you. Come, Holy Spirit. In each of us, would you stir up, revitalize, or even for the first time, that passion for a kingdom of unity and a kingdom of diversity that is your kingdom, Jesus. Would you do that, Lord? Would you take us on this journey? Thank you, you present. You will take us. You will lead us. Holy Spirit, you would lead us. You would lead us through lament. You would lead us through repentance. And when we need to go back again, you're still there. That we would become people who are passionate about seeing our city, our communities, our world change. The vision is Jesus. It always has been. And we go back to those roots that Jesus, you are the cornerstone. You are at the foundation. Would you lead us forward in Jesus' name? In his strong, powerful There is a load of resources that you can find. Uh, there's um, a number of books. If you want to make contact with the church office, I can recommend a few books. I've dipped into them. I'm not the greatest book reader, but I'm kind of processing alongside you as well. So this is a long, this is a journey I'm on myself. Um, there are various videos, websites, etc., that help us process this going forward. So I want to encourage you on that journey.